WSJU Radio, Mad Max on the airwaves at St. John's University, and we have a very, very special guest here tonight in honor of Veterans Day, and he is a U.S. vet, Victor Carroll. How you doing tonight, Victor? Uh, very good, sir. Uh, thank you for calling into the show tonight, and it's an honor to have you on and to talk about your experience in Vietnam and what you do today for the veterans. So tell me a little bit of a background about yourself. Well, uh, I was born in Jersey City on uh, December 26, 1946. And um, my dad and my mother were divorced when we were eight years old. And my oldest brother, Mike, and myself uh, stayed with my dad. And uh, he was a Army. He was in the Army Air Force, World War II. And uh, right after they were divorced, we we moved down to a farm in Millmay, New Jersey. And we stayed down there for approximately four years. And then we moved back to Jersey City, my, my brother and I and my dad. And we lived there until uh, my brother decided to go into the Marine Corps in 1964. Mm. And... Um, in 1965, December 1965, I decided to uh, follow in his uh, footsteps. And how did you go into the Marines? Was it through the draft? Uh, no. Uh, the reason why I went in was because most of the um, the kids in the neighborhood were, were being drafted. And my brother, like I said, he went in in 1964. So um, I decided to sign up and, uh, and go into the Marine Corps um, because he went in. That's the reason why I went in. And how old were you at that time? Um, I was uh, 19 years old on December 26, 1965. I was 19. Okay. And I went to uh, boot camp mm -hmm. in uh, – Paris Island on December 31st, 1965, midnight uh, is when we stepped off the bus. And what was boot camp like? Um, it was the hardest thing I've ever did. in my life up until that point. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't, uh, I didn't think I was going to make it. It was, it was very emotionally and physically tough, very tough. And, and back, I'll continue. And back then, uh, it's not like it is now. Uh, back then, they uh, uh, they put you, they put their hands on you, mm -hmm. and they can't do that anymore. But uh, I would um, I would say, as far as the Marine Corps is concerned, everything that they taught me, as far as uh, training is concerned, it, it uh, did show up in combat, definitely. Mm -hmm. Do you have any stories that you would like to tell from boot camp? Um, yes, I do have one from boot camp. Mm -hmm. um, there was there was a time, uh, boot camp, you know, you have to keep uh, your hygiene up and shave and make your rack and all that kind of thing. And uh, these are the things that, uh, that, that was taught to us. Um, at the time, there was a double-edged razor blade that everybody had. 
and my razor blade, uh, the top of it had broke off. So I really couldn't put a blade inside uh, the razor itself. So the only thing I could do was take the double-edged razor blade and bend it with my thumb and shave like that. So um, I I did manage, I mean, to, to get that accomplished. And a lot of times that the other Marines that were shaving with a regular blade and they, they didn't get a close enough shave, they would bring them over to me and say, he doesn't even have a razor. I mean, he's using a razor, not even a blade and look, look at how clean his shave. And then I, well, I would get in trouble for that, you know, with the other Marines in the platoon. But that's one of the things I remember about boot camp. I understand you went to Vietnam. What was that like going to another country? Um, Vietnam, I arrived in Vietnam on August 4th, 1966 in uh, Da Nang Air Base. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was supposed to meet my brother there because he was in crash crew. Um, but uh, what happened was we were in, I was in San Diego to get on a transport ship to go to Vietnam on Monday morning. Uh, and I was excited to see my brother in Da Nang and, uh, received a, uh, um, I had to call home in Jersey city, uh, to, uh, talk to my aunt, Mary Brown. And, uh, the reason why was because the CO was, wanted to was telling me that my somebody in my family was shot and it didn't look good and they were they might not make it so i thought it was my brother in vietnam but wound up to be my father my father was shot in a bar hold up in jersey city so um what they did was they said they shipped my brother home from vietnam and they red cross gave uh Gave me the money to go back to Jersey City. My brother got out on a hardship discharge to take care of my dad. And then they sent me to Vietnam. They gave me 15 days leave, and then I went went to Vietnam. And where in Vietnam were you exactly? Well, I arrived in uh, Da Nang. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Da Nang, and then they sent me to uh, the 1st Amtrak Battalion. I was... Um, I was in Amtrak's 1833 and I was, uh, with the first Amtrak battalion in a place called Happy Valley in Da Nang. Um, I arrived there, like I said, on August 4th, 1966 and on August, actually I arrived there on August 4th, 1966 and they didn't have any rifles. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the armory to get my gear. They gave me a helmet, black jacket. They gave me a cartridge belt and and magazines and ammunition, but they didn't have any rifles. So they told me that I was going to go on mess duty and that I didn't need a rifle. And uh, I wouldn't be spending any guard duty or going on patrols or anything. Um, on August... 13th, 
uh, we got overrun. And of course, I didn't have a rifle. Mm-hmm. So I uh, went out to the bunker and uh, the Marines out there were saying, how come you didn't, you know, where's your rifle? And I said, I don't have one. So they told me to go to, uh, to uh, just get them uh, ammunition for the 30 caliber that they were used shooting. So that was my first experience in combat. Mm-hmm. Is there any and, other stories that you want to tell about your experience in Vietnam or in combat? Um, yeah, there's, uh, what happened was we, I stayed in, in Da Nang until April mm-hmm. of night. I arrived in, like I said, in, in August 4th, 1966, but in April of 1967, we had packed up in Da Nang and we went in a transport ship and we went up to a place called Corbiet. Um And it was up by Dangha, up by the DMC. Uh, and uh, that's where I finished out uh, my tour in Vietnam. Um, that was uh, that was more of an experience it, but as far as combat is concerned, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was uh, it was it was bad. Mm-hmm. And I know that you did two tours in Vietnam. What made you decide to go back? Uh, I was in uh, medevac, mm-hmm. so my tractor, uh, amphibious tractor called an LBT. Uh, we um, what we would do is we as far as search and destroy if any marines were hurt or needed needed medical attention i worked with the corpsmen so we if you if you were shot or wounded on the battlefield we would go out and get you and put you in a tractor mm-hmm. and uh we would uh get you out of the combat area and throw the smoke out and the chopper would come in and and, and uh we would medevac you out that that was my job over there do you talk to anyone or have you stayed in contact with anyone from Vietnam or boot camp? Um, negative. Uh, no, I, nobody that I knew. Oh, wait a minute. I did, I did beat Sergeant Head and my platoon sergeant in, um, Tampa, Florida, where we had our reunion. We had one of our reunions about five years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, one of the reasons why I went back was not be, it, it, being in medevac and we we knew it, you know I, I knew my job and I knew it well. Um, a friend of mine, Clark from uh, Texas, uh, we were playing cards one night and having a few beers, and he told me that he was going to go back. So I told him if he was going to return, then then. I was going to return also, so that's the reason why I went. What, what, how do you feel about the Marine Corps today? Um, I feel the Marine Corps is the best fighting organization in the world, second to none. That's mm-hmm. that's my opinion. Um, I've learned so much from from uh, being in the service. Mm-hmm. Um, that's followed me for uh, my entire life, really. Um, I don't know if I were, was able to do a lot of the things um, being a civilian that I, I learned so much 
on honor and commitment and dedication and all that kind of thing that um, you can't get anywhere else. Mm. How how do you feel about vets that are they're treated today when they came home compared to when you came home? There's no there's no comparison. Um, when I when we returned to the you know you'd be walking through an airport and maybe calling your names and and uh, I didn't pay too much attention to myself. I really didn't care much after I got back. I just wanted to be left alone. So. Um, you know, uh, experience, um, combat. You know, from going from a civilian to um, to, to being in the military uh, is a is an experience that um, less than one percent of the population uh, in this country experience. So, um, I would uh, I would say. Every, I would think everybody that, that turned to 18 and didn't go to college, I think they should experience at least at least six months to a couple of years of, of the military. It would uh, make a huge difference in your life. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're involved with some different things now with vets. What are you involved in, if you could take us through that? Well, I'm, I'm down here in Florida now, so... Um, uh, but when I was in Connecticut, it was a uh, programs called um, Take a Vet Fishing, mm-hmm. and it was started by the Congressional Church of Brantford in Brantford, Connecticut. Um, and we would take um, veterans fishing uh, every weekend in the summertime, and sometimes even ice fishing in the winter. Um, but the uh, Congressional Church of Brantford started the program, and um, it's been going on for um, I believe about eight years now. Uh, so I got involved with that. And what I would do is uh, I would drive the DAV van and pick them up at the uh, West Haven uh, Hospital in West Haven, the VA hospital, take them fishing uh, and, and, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, they were getting uh, the food and, and, and having the poles and putting worms on their hooks and all that kind of thing and getting them water. And, uh, we did that. Well, I did that for, uh, I, I imagine about five or six years. Um, it was a great program. It's just like veterans helping veterans actually. Mm-hmm. And is that the only program that you're involved in or is there another one too? Uh, there's another one. Uh, that's called uh, um, actually a, a, a Vietnam veteran, Al Meadows, started a program called Operation Gift Cards. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went over to uh, um, he was he was doing a uh, uh, he was at the city of Stanford and he had sent out a. Um, I think it was in the paper and I read it in the paper that he was going to be there. And that's how I met him. I met him there and he started telling me about the different operation gift cards, the program and take up that fishing. And I sat at the table and I'm thinking to myself, this, this veteran needs a lot of help. So I, uh, I offered to volunteer to help him. 
And uh, what he would do is he would get all the sponsors like um, Sikorsky Aircraft. Um, uh, let me see what other, what other sponsors they had. It was uh, um, the Congressional Church of Brantford, the Marine Corps League. Um, and there were so many different sponsors. And what they would do is they would give uh, $1,000 um, uh, once a month. So he would go down with four to 6,000 from all these sponsors and he would buy gift cards with the money and uh, he would hand the gift cards out to all the veterans coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq. And uh, some of these kids really, really needed uh, the 80 to $120 in gift cards to buy fuel or, or you know, just get um, toothpaste or, or go to you go to the commissary and buy things so uh it, it really meant a lot to them mm. and uh he did that from 2005 up to date and he has given 1.4 million dollars uh in gift cards to uh, walter reed mm. now how did you spend your veterans day today i know you were telling me that you went to a dinner earlier uh yes uh i went to a car show Oh, okay. Uh, down here in Cape Coral, Florida, um, in a place called Merchants and Applebee's is in the shopping center where the car show was. Um, so I spent, uh, and you know, we saluted the flag, and and, and uh, there was a lot of veterans there, and most of the uh, restaurants around here were given um, free food to uh, to the veterans. Um, uh, today for Veterans Day, and that's where that's where I spent my my time, and I just just came home actually about twenty minutes ago. Oh wow! I remember you were telling me before that there was a possible script that you were writing for your life story. Could we expect that any time in the future, possibly? Um, I'm not sure because. Uh, the screenplay writer right now, uh, he he was just married and um, he's trying to get his life in, in order. Okay. Uh, you know, working on his house and try to. Um, he the script is pretty much done. Mm -hmm. uh, the screenplay, um, we worked on it for probably oh, I, I, over a year, uh, and uh, I think Joe. Uh, once he gets settled, um, he'll he'll give me a call and we'll 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 try to uh, try to get something done with that. And is there any other stories you'd like to tell about anything your service and your experience with other vets, or you could just tell, go more into your family life and anything. Um. Well, uh, as as far as um, as far as uh, um, all right, so I left Vietnam mm -hmm. uh, on uh, March 22nd, 1968. So I arrived there on August 4th, 1966. So I did about 20 months there. Um, after coming home, you know, like you were talking about before with, with the way that we were treated, mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, I I decided not to uh, 
uh, get involved with anything. And I uh, pretty much stayed by myself, stayed with the family. My brother was home at the time because um, he was, like I said, he was, uh, he got out on the hardship, just discharged to uh, take care of my dad. When he walked into the bar in Jersey City, he was shot six, seven times. And uh, he lost his, uh, he lost one of, one of his eyes. One of the bullets took one of his eyes out. So he was, uh, he was disabled for a while. Um, he was 54 when he was shot. So um, he uh, lived until he was 86. So, uh, you know, he, he did all right. Um the shock alone should have killed him, but those those World War Two veterans are pretty tough. Mm. So after uh, you know, I, I got back from Vietnam. Uh, I was doing a lot of drinking and partying and stuff. So um, I decided to go um, get on a transport and uh, go on a med cruise. They call it a med cruise and just get away from the United States. And what was that like? Well, um, I I got on a transport. It it was called Traverse County. um, And it was a six-month med cruise. So we, we went over and we did beach landings in Turkey and and all over the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, uh, I decided to go on that because I was getting in so much trouble uh, after I got back in Camp Lejeune. I went over the hill a few times and, and uh, took a Jeep and um, they, uh, they put me in correctional custody for 30 days at I lost rank and all that kind of stuff but so i decided to leave get on this uh, med cruise thing and maybe get away from stop getting in trouble but it didn't uh it didn't help much i wanted to get busted um uh on the ship too so uh i spent six months like i said in over over in uh, the mediterranean and uh, then I got back in uh, 19, must see, December of 1968. Mm-hmm. I returned back here to the United States. And um, starting in January 1969, up until I uh, was discharged, I made all my rank back and um, pretty much uh, straightened out. Mm-hmm. And I, I received a... Um, um, honorable discharge from the Marine Corps. I got out of the Marine Corps on January 15, 1970. So I spent four years and 15 days. Wow. And uh, I don't have any regrets. Mm-hmm. And after I, you know, uh, actually, I met my wife in Stanford, Connecticut, in Dorothy, and I married her on uh, uh, September 20th, 1969. And I was still in. And, uh, and, and then we had uh, had my son. He was born in 1970. 
in September. And um, I have a couple of my daughter, uh, Christine, and, and my daughter, Lark. Mm-hmm. And we have, uh, right now, I have four grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And I know you love to travel. And what are some of the best places or your favorite places that you've traveled? Well, once I was out of the Marine Corps, I, uh, um, what I did was I, uh, uh, I went to uh, New Jersey. We moved to New Jersey, mm-hmm. and uh, I was working for a trucking company. Uh, it was, no, that wasn't my first job. I was working as a plumber. That was my first job, working as a plumber, because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, then I... Uh, uh, I got this job as a truck driver and I was driving a straight truck for a while in New Jersey. And um, while we were in New Jersey, we had an apartment and we lived down in the basement, my wife and I and, and my son. And um, what happened was uh, we, we they would take something off the rent and I would take bring out the garbage and things like that. And it was a six story building. So, um, there was a little work there and we cleaned and all that kind of thing. And we took part of the rent off. Um, what happened was, um, there was a fire mm-hmm. in, the, in the building and the fire, um, went through the, the basement and it burnt, um, everything we had because we had went to Sears and Robux and bought all the our furniture and um, you know the, the, the baby uh, cribs and all that stuff and then just the fire just wiped everything out um, and uh, we decided to go back to Sears and they they actually gave us most of that stuff back they didn't give it to us we still had to pay for it but we started all over again so look, lucky thing, my son wasn't here. He was actually in Connecticut at the time because my wife wanted to um, bring my son up there to see his uh, grandmother. And uh, I was actually in the house alone at the time. Um, but uh, we we, uh, we managed to put everything back together. Uh, and about two months after that, uh, on the third floor of the building, there was a uh, uh, a water main that had broke, and all the water went down into our apartment and flooded the entire apartment. So wow. I decided to, uh, you know, we we I I didn't want to leave to lived in Jersey anymore. I said this this is getting out of control here. Mm-hmm. So we 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 threw all the wet furniture and rugs and everything on a u-haul i called my brother he got the u-haul and we threw it all on the truck and uh i moved up to connecticut to norwalk connecticut and we put all the furniture and the rugs and everything on the front lawn of uh my uh, brother-in-law's house and it dried out and we put it you know put it in his garage and we lived with her mother for a while mm-hmm. and how did you like connecticut uh, it was definitely different from Jersey City. Jersey City was kind of nasty. And me moving up to Connecticut, it was like, you know, it was like farmland to me. I mean, at that time, there was 
you know, the streets were not like they are tonight, today. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it's like being in uh, the suburbs at that time. Mm-hmm. It was 1971, I think it was. Yeah, 71. So uh, there was a def- definitely a, a change from Jersey City. I know you're in Florida now. How do you love Florida? Um, I died and went to heaven. Uh, it's just a huge change for being up the worth and 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 with snow and yeah and all that kind of thing up up north. You got to remember something when you're 73 years old. <laughs> you know things don't work as well as they did yeah. when you're <laughs> so. Um, you know the arthritis thing and and uh, the cold and all that kind of thing does 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 definitely makes a difference being here in in Florida. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely makes a difference as far as health is is concerned. Now, what do you love to do for fun or on your free time? Is there anything special? Well, I have a motorhome, so mm-hmm. um, I'm living with my daughter here in, in uh, Cape Coral. Um, and, uh, she uh, she has uh, four garages, and two of them are RV garages. So um, I have my RV, and uh, basically uh, I just returned from Ocala, Florida, and there was a huge car show up there uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of this past weekend. And we stayed up there. Um, it, was, it was a Mopar mm-hmm. uh, car show, and there was a... Uh, cars from all over the country were there it was just a huge uh huge place um and uh, we had a good time we just uh you know you eat and drink and actually al calachico was a friend of mine um he has a 47 dodge pickup and he won best best in show uh it's really a really nice truck so uh, we we travel and, and go to the car shows and of course down in Florida here you, you go out and you eat and uh, you know we party and that's what we do when we retire. Yeah. Now, is there anything else you want to discuss? Is there anything uh, going on in the world right now that you want to touch base upon? Or, um, well, as far as about as far as the military is concerned. Uh, I, uh, I have to applaud um, all these young men and women that are uh, spread out all over the world right now and um, protecting uh, uh, protecting this country from, uh, from from what's going on because uh, I've never seen anything like this uh, and I've been on this earth for quite a while and it just seems like it's getting out of control mm-hmm. um, but these young and women Young men and women are stepping up to the plate, and um, if it wasn't for them, uh, then I would have to grab a rifle, <laughs> <laughs> put my black jacket on, and my helmet, because um, they're they're stepping up the plate and they're doing very well. I um, we were going to uh, Walter Reed, and I, I watched firsthand um, um, these young men and women coming back from overseas and. Um, I wouldn't want to go against them. Um, the the weapon the weapon systems and and, and what they have today, uh, they're, they're they're very smart, 
and um, um, uh, I, 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 I truly believe that, that they have a lot of courage, and um, I applaud them for it, for for signing on the bottom line. Now, I know that there's a script in the works and it's currently halted, but could would you write a book, if possible, about your experience and just your life story? Uh, yeah, uh, I could. Uh, I could uh, well, what's happening right now is they have. Um, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a screenplay, so it's it's, it's uh, I think it's like 200. 200 pages I think it's less than 200 pages um which is which is big for a screenplay um but I I would I would I'm gonna have to talk to Joe about that I'm uh, I'm gonna have to uh, write a book first before uh before putting it in in some kind of a screenplay or movie type Mm -hmm. of thing but uh it's an experience um and and the thing about it is it's real it's it's a true story yeah. so that makes it even um it's it's not a made up thing so um it's possibly could make a movie I'm not even sure but we'll we'll find out if uh I'll have to talk to him about bacon um, possibly put it in book form first mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, tell us or tell my audience here tonight? Um, as far as um, combat is concerned, let, let's let's get back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of times, when young men and women go into combat, they never experience that before, so it's it's kind of it's, it's new to them. So the yield to how how you're going to react. I had no idea how I was going to react, and none of us, none of us do. Um, but here's what I can tell you: um, bullets are traveling at supersonic speed, so if they hit you, you're 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 really not going to know it. Now, artillery is something else, and that's that's one of the things that um, I think most combat veterans that experience artillery um, will tell you, um, you know, we used to call it shell shock um, from because you could see it explode. But the worst thing about artillery other than, other than bullets is it just kind of rips you apart, you know, as far as the, the fragments of the shell is concerned and they're really hot. Mm-hmm. So when they go inside you, it's a it's a burning feeling. Uh, I I never experienced it, but I've seen Marines um, in in a lot of pain after the receiving that. Uh, I just want to explain that to the um, your audience mm-hmm. that uh, if if uh, uh, if you've never if you see movies like Saving Private Ryan and all that kind of thing, and you see it, you say to yourself, how can I possibly do that or how how could I possibly experience that um, well there's, there's really nothing you can do you just have to um, do the best you can and, and try to stay alive mm-hmm. 
Is there anything else that you'd like to tell the audience? Anything. It could be um, about your personal life. Um, if you watch sports, who do you root for? Um, yeah, um, I was rooting for the Yankees for a while there. and Oh, I still am. Uh, the Giants, New York Giants. Uh, we, uh, My father-in-law, my wife's dad, um, had the tickets for the New York Giants in 1966. Yeah, uh, they bought the four box seat. Um, so we used to go to the Battlelands and and watch the Giant Giants play. Um, hockey. My son Victor was in. He was a goalie, so mm-hmm. we followed hockey in the New York Rangers. I went to Basque Square Garden for a while there with friends of mine who who were Ranger fans uh, through the years. Uh, as far as sports are concerned right now, um, you know, I follow it a little bit. I'm not really, um, you know, I watch the Giants at, and, and the Yankees play, but I'm not, I'm not a fanatic about it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I also cover music on my show, too. Who are some of your favorite artists that you like to listen to? Oh, um, Pink Floyd. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, I enjoy them. Um, you know, and a lot of the, uh, the oldie, uh, because we do have a lot of, the older people down here from the forties and fifties and, and, and that, uh, and they were playing a lot of the oldies, uh, even at the car shows, they do that all the time. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm into the older music, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm talking like even even the big the the, the big band era. Uh, I like that kind of music too. Back in the '40s, mm-hmm. uh, but I am from that time, so um, a lot of a lot of a lot of the younger generation no longer you know they they're moving on as far as that's concerned. How about favorite but, movies that you like to watch? Um, as far as favorite movies, I like the older movies. Uh, what? Yeah, the newer stuff today is so real. Um, you know, you got uh, uh, Iron Man and uh, and Captain America and all this stuff that's happening today. Uh, it's so, uh, you know, as far as the technology is concerned. But even like um, Saving Private Ryan, like I had mentioned before, that was an excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watch uh, uh, war movies. I try to, um, uh, but they, these are made-up movies. They're not. Uh, although I think maybe Pri- Saving Private Ryan, I think was that real? I don't even remember. Um, it's not like the Five Selman Brothers that uh, they had a movie back then. That was real because mm-hmm. so all five of them had died on a transport ship uh, during World War II. And that's why brothers are not allowed to uh, uh, be on the uh, be in the same platoon or uh, battalion or, or on the same ship. So they uh, uh, they got uh, uh, they eliminated that so that they wouldn't all die at one time. Now, I know you were a part of big history with Vietnam. Is there any other parts of history that intrigues you and you either watch on the History Channel or research? 
Um, I, I, I'm just, the civil war has, I don't know, just grabbed my attention for some reason. I just can't comprehend how, um, back then and the way things were, um, that they fought and I, I believe it was five or 600,000 men died and they were all Americans. So, um, that uh, the civil war, uh, I, I, I just can't get enough of it. Like just the way things were back then and, and the weapons and, and how they had to uh, march and, and, and go into battle. It was, it's just incredible. Uh, the nerves, the, the, the dedication just to stand there and, um, you know, march across a field and take a bullet. That just, yeah. It just never made any sense to me that they would do something like that, but that's just the way it was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just took a lot of balls to do that. Um, I mean, I applaud them for, for having that kind of nerve. Um, but if you ever in the Gettysburg, it's kind of an eerie feeling when you get there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, when you have a tour guide explaining to you where you're standing, this is what happened, and just gives you a, an, an eerie feeling uh, about what it was like back then. Yeah, I know. I've watched on documentaries before. Same thing. Every person that has described their experience has said it just feels eerie. Exactly what you said. Yeah, I just uh, if I ever get a chance to, to go back, I. Um, or from that area, I'll definitely take that tour again. Mm-hmm. And what was the tour like when you went on it the first time? Um, it was very educational. It was, you know, the tour guys are they they know everything there is to know about what happened there. Um, but I have motorhomes, so I was asking them if I could take my family in the motorhome and and go on the tour because they took us on a bus, but they said that's no problem at all, that they would put a tour guide on the motorhome and actually guide us through all the fields and and things like that. So that was kind of unique. That We we wouldn't have to even, you know, we would use our own vehicle. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'd like to do that again, or I'd like to try to do that as far as my taking my own vehicle is concerned. Any other parts of history that interest you? That you'd like to learn more about, or just something else that intrigues you? Uh, yeah, uh, as far as World War II is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, air power in World War II was was uh, something that I was really interested in, especially the P-51 Mustang, um, which, as far as I understand, the P-51 is the one that um, won the war, won, won the world, uh, war in, in World War II. Because when the, uh, when the enemy saw the P-51 coming, they, they knew that the war was going to be over. Mm-hmm. And you were telling me a story one time about 
the Tootsie Rolls. I'd love for you to tell that same story to my audience. Well, um, back in um, Korea, mm-hmm. in a frozen, chosen reservoir where the Marines were trapped, um, the Chinese had surrounded, I think it was seven divisions and one Marine division. I think it was the first Marine division, if I remember correctly. So they were surrounded by seven divisions and they were shooting down. They were in a valley, um, the Marines were. So um, they had called in to to um, get mortars. You know, they need, uh, a mortar tube is a tube where you would, would you would put the shell down inside of it, and then when it reached the bottom, would shoot out, and that mortar would go and explode to wherever you were directing it to. The mortar tube it, on the radio. When they called in for mortar tube, if they needed a mortar tube, they would call them Tootsie Rolls. So they would call in on the radio and say, we need Tootsie Rolls. And they, of course, they would know what that meant. Well, when they called it in, uh, whoever received the call thought they really meant Tootsie Rolls. So they had sent cases and cases of candy, Tootsie Roll candy. And they sent it to them, and they dropped it in by with the airplane. But it was God sent, because the Marines were so undernourished and cold and weak mm-hmm. that the sugar from the Tootsie Roll they ate it that, and they gave them some strength, and they gave it gave them enough strength to actually um, fight their way out of there. So um, uh, that was one of the stories that uh, was told by. Uh, uh, one of the Marines that were right there, actually. Mm-hmm. Is there any other stories that Marines have told you that you'd like to share here tonight? Um, that you can remember? Yeah. Um, there was... Well, I went back to boot camp. Um, uh, the... the uh, I think it was the third... Yeah, the third Marine Division Association out of Philadelphia... Um, one of the drivers that were driving up to Clarehole, Connecticut, had told me that they were going to go on a tour. And the tour was three days. And what they were going to do was, um, we are going to leave Philly, and we were going to go down uh, to Washington. And uh, from Washington, uh, we, uh, 8th and I in Washington, which is 8th and I Street, and the Marine Corps barracks is down there. So we were going to go down there, and we're going to spend some time watching the Marine Corps band. And then from there, we were going to go down to Paris Island. And we were going to spend a day down in Paris Island. And from Paris Island, we were going to go back to Washington and go visit the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. So we, um, we, we go to 8th and I, and we spent a, a day there. And then from 8th and I, uh, you know, we saw the Marine Corps band, and when we when we arrived in Paris Island, there was forty of us. Now, we had bunked together, like they paired us up. And the Marine that I was with, he was uh, he was in uh, he was in Korea, uh, and at the time, I believe he was probably seventy, and I was 
I don't know, I was maybe 62 or something. So anyway, um, he was telling me the stories mm-hmm. about what had happened to him and how the the he was a he was in heavy weapons so he had a bar he used to freeze and and would try to keep warm and everybody was you know losing fingers and everything else over there because it was so cold and he was telling me that the chinese had come over um in in droves and um that uh they were so cold that they their their uniforms were even lighter than the marines were and they would try to as the marines were walking they would try to get in between them and make make it like they were part of the uh, uh you know platoon uh and they were starving too and they were they were cold and he was he was telling me these these stories um we get down to um, paris island and um, they put us in the barracks with the young men and women that are training mm-hmm. and um uh, we were in the barracks next door to to the real um you know to to another platoon um and they when we arrived there they they um they started screaming and yelling at us just like we, they they did to us when we were kids no, i didn't pay too much attention to that we were kind of laughing but they did they were kind of serious so they get us in the barracks and we did the fire watch thing and all that kind of thing, just like we did when we were kids. And in the morning they would throw the ash cans down in the middle of the barracks, waking you up and screaming and yelling and carrying on and all that stuff. So it, it was, uh, it, it was an experience, um, um, that was, you know, just brought you back in time. That, that's, that's what it did to me. So, we're looking at the platoons of all these young Marines. And on the end of these platoons were these Marines that one had a broken arm, the other one was on crutches and, and all this kind of stuff. And they had to stay with the platoon, even though they, um, uh, they, they, they were, they were hurting. So we said, we, we were talking to the, um, drill instructor and we said, what the hell are you doing to these kids? I mean, look at mm. almost all of these platoons. They have these young men and women. They got ankles, sprains, and this and that. And, I, and they said, no, no, we're not allowed to touch them. He said, but what's happening is being that they sit at the computers for so many years and they're not, they're, their muscle tone is not up to par. They get, we get them down here and what they, the, the training alone uh, that breaks their bones. Um, but once we get them, you know, get some good food in them and, and, and strengthen them up, he said, they're, they're, they're good to go. So that was one of the things I remembered when I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, um, uh, I just wanted to know the answer to him, but he said, no, they're, they're, they're fine. These young men and women will be okay as long as you get, get them into training and, and get some muscle tone on them and Feed them some good food, and they're good to go. Hmm. Very interesting. And now, is there anything else that uh, you want to tell the audience? Um, if uh, if you ever get an experience to go into the military, 
Um, I, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I see what this country is all about right now, if you ever have a chance to do something, even if it's not going in, I'm not saying to go into it for four years or make a career out of it. I'm not saying that. But if you could go in the reserves and experience what military is all about, even if it's for, um, you know, six months and then spend the rest of the two years at a reserve unit, um, it, you, you're going to you're going to find out as years go by um, that you did the right thing and you would experience something that uh, um, a lot of people in this country are, are not able to, or, or without willing uh, to do. And I think it would uh, uh, build your character and uh, just make a better person out of you. Mm -hmm. Now, is that it for you, your story? Is there anything else you want to tell us? Um, no, that's about it. That's about it. Uh, that's about it. I mean, I'm going to try and get, uh, get the book going yeah. or, or the screenplay. Um, and there's, there's a lot of there that, uh, I, I just, I, I can't cover just this. I'd be on, I'd be on the phone for hours and hours trying to cover, um, just a lot of details involved. Uh, but, uh, uh, other than that, um, uh, my experience as far as being in the Marine Corps is concerned, I, if I had to do it over again, I'd do it again. Hmm. And God bless you, too. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate your service for this country and everything you're doing get in which you gave back to vets. And you'll always be loved for what you did. And I want to thank you for calling into my show tonight which I wanted to acknowledge you as a veteran and what you did for the country. Okay, I, I appreciate your time too, Max. Thank you very much. Yes, no problem, and I want you to have a good night, all right? Okay, uh, I'll give you a call some other time. I'll call you at the house. Okay, that's perfect. Okay. Take care now, all right? All right, take care. Take care. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs>